Hey now, we have a long intro, and eventually, there he is, Dave Mason. Good song. It's Jim Lowenstern, and this is Broker Talk. We're the number one weekly real estate industry podcast hosted by veteran industry insiders with about 50 years of experience with everything from residential to commercial real estate, from antique homes to new construction. From the old guard to the latest disruptors, we have the answers to your questions and we have interesting guests and topics on every show. We are broadcasting today from our respective and hopefully COVID-free bunkers that have been generously provided to us by the mighty realtors at Castles Unlimited. My respected sidekick slash co-host today, as always, is Larry Lawfer. Larry, I have two questions for you. Do you think that the old real estate office is being used much in these days of COVID-19? And of course, how are you doing? I think there's some people who are using their offices and some people who aren't. Um, it, the spike right now is pretty scary. So that's an issue, don't you think? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, staying away from all people, large and small. <laughs> Today's guest, um, it's perfect because maybe I need a divorce right now um, but after from the show because of the technical issues. Sorry, we're late. Um, Chris Carboni, Christopher Carboni, uh, is a family lawyer, handles a lot of divorce, mostly divorce. Welcome aboard, Chris. Thanks for having me, Larry. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, um, you know, it was interesting as I was looking at the statistics. In 2000, um, there were a lot more divorces, uh, but there were also a lot more marriages. And both the divorce rate and the marriage rate have gone down. Do you have any idea why that is? Yeah, I mean, uh, marriage, mar the divorce rate has been going down pretty steadily since uh, the 1970s. Um, uh, just very quickly, divorces spiked right around 1972. That was, uh, divorces have been flat until the mid-60s because of Calvary being the first state to recognize no-fault divorces. And that led to an up jump in divorces. And then it began to peter off. And uh, in this day and age, now in, you know, from 1990, you mentioned 2000 to now 2020, um, the number one factor for why people get divorced, the number one metric that people can use is the average age of the woman when she enters her first marriage. The higher it is, the more likely it is they're going to stay married for the long haul. As the, that is the leading metric. Um, there, are other, there are other things, but uh, basically it, the average age of a woman on her first marriage has gone up over the last 100 years by one year, and that's a huge amount. Think about it 100 years ago, women weren't, you know, for a variety of reasons, women weren't entering the workforce, women weren't going to college, women weren't earning their own money. Well, now they are. And because of that, they're less reliant on men. They're less reliant on unhappy marriages. They're less reliant um, on those factors. They can all make their own money, make their own decisions. Uh, and that has led women, to continue this, this idea, to get into marriages that are more of their own choice for all the right reasons. Um, as time has gone on, our social mores have changed. Uh, people get married later generally. They usually are with people they want to be with. There are far fewer and fewer what we used to call shotgun marriages. 
And so people are entering, the right people are entering marriage. High risk marriages tend to go down and people tend to stay married longer. Those are all- So, so Chris, we have um, uh, often there's real estate involved. Uh, what are some of the stories that you hear with divorce and real estate? So I, I, I really thought about this um, when, 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 you know, as we go through this, um, I had this, this case about seven, eight years ago, a woman came to me, she lived in a home with another, with a man, they had two children together, they had um, uh, uh, you know, assets, et cetera. But the one thing they weren't is they weren't married. And so they had, they lived in the same house. Um, since I believe 1970, 1975. Yeah. Um, well, one day in the, in 2013, somewhere around there, he just leaves, he goes to another woman and he believes in his mind, well, it's my house. I paid the mortgage. She never had a job. Yeah. She raised the kids, but we're not married. So divorce doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter about anything. So I'm going to just take, take all the, I'm just going to take thousands. She has to leave. Right. Well, what he did was he didn't get a lawyer. He went and got a real estate agent, started showing the house. He started doing things with the house. Um, I came in and I had no one to talk to. He wasn't talking to me because he was like, well, I'm not going to talk to some lawyer. So I spoke to the real estate, the real estate agent, and she was fantastic. And um, in two ways, both of which helped everyone. The first one is she spoke to me and she, because she had been hired by this guy, she said, you know, her and I started talking. She said, look, I know how this works. He has, even though they weren't married, she has an equitable complaint against him and she could ask the court to partition the property and the court will do what she wants because they were married, have kids, they have an equitable, equity just means fairness. It's more fair to have them split the property. Um, and so she went back and told him that and he eventually agreed. Now that, if that were the end of it, that'd be a fantastic story in and of itself. But I, I, I did some research into this case. Her and I started to talk and my client was like, well, I didn't hire this person. How do I know the house is worth and I'm making the number up $450,000? I made that number up. How do I know that? So I went to the real estate agent and I said, look, um, how does my client know the number you picked is a good number? And she said, here are the, here are the what are called comps, comparables. Here are the comps. Here's how I came to the number. I think this is everybody. So here's what that, that real estate agent did for a, what amounts to a divorce, even though it wasn't a divorce. She got one party to actually talk to begin with, to realize he couldn't just run off and leave. And she got my client to listen to reason and say, here's the number. Here's why your house is worth this. And it satisfied the, the, the man, satisfied my client and satisfied me. And I think that's really great there is you have a real estate agent who you know, wasn't fumbling through things, wasn't trying to convince anybody of anything, wasn't trying to sell something. All she was trying to do was her job and it made everyone's life easier. And going through what amounts to a divorce, no less. Well, it's problem solving and both divorce attorneys and real estate agents, the good ones have that. Um, what do you think, Jim? What, what is the uh, greatest need in it's, the situation? It's, it's, it's the trickiest part of real estate. Uh, whether the people are married or not married, if a real estate agent gets hired by just one of the parties, even if they have a signed listing, for example, um, that that listing is not really worth the paper and ink. Uh, you need to get both parties on board. And <clears throat> it's a learning experience for a lot of agents that uh, 
uh, you've got to proceed with caution with uh, any divorce or potential divorce situation. I, ha I have one going on right now myself, uh, not my own personal divorce, uh, um, uh, working with uh, someone and we used an appraisal, an appraiser. And I got both parties to agree that we would accept the appraiser's number. They said, well, maybe not. Uh, I said, well, you can get a second appraiser, have dueling appraisals. Uh, I also did comps for them. It's not comparable market, it's competitive market. Oh, okay. No, um, no that's just my word. Oh, okay. Because uh, every it is supposed to be comparable, but nothing is comparable. It's either. Yeah. Either either is fine. We know what you're we know what you're talking about. And I I, I think you know. Let's just call it a CMA, and then we can yeah we'll all be right. And I, I think that in, in WTF. Going, <laughs> when you're going through a divorce, it's always difficult to get a party to say, well, just trust what this person says. There's no trust left in a divorce. Yeah. And when you're talking about someone's house and you know where they go to sleep at night, where you know they've been told their whole life it's their, you know, whether it's true or not, it's your it's your biggest asset, um, your most important asset. And um, you know, people rightfully get their 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 uh get their hackles up, so to speak. And I think it's very important that they be careful whether it is to get a, uh, a second opinion as it were get a, a get a um um uh, an appraisal but also the best appraisal in the world is just put it out on the market the market will decide how much your house is actually worth that and especially if it's their only house it's their only asset just sell it you don't have to figure out how much it's worth the market will tell you how much it's worth well, uh, yeah, as a real estate agent, I'm going to push back on that because yeah. a, a good agent knows how to market it, get the right people in there, entice the right people, get them in there right now together, and they'll bid against each other. Um, a bad agent doesn't know that. They just put it on the market and don't even do the whole, um, like, how big the rooms are and all of that. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's just weak. Um, so they will not get as much traffic and consequently won't get people bidding against each other. That's the real trick. That's, that's, that's so, uh, good part. So, so Chris, let's, uh, let's talk specifically about the, the pandemic and how that's, uh, affecting, uh, people filing or not filing or delayed filings or reconciling, uh, so any stories there? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing is what has really happened is, um, people have, you know, people who wanted to get divorced back in, you know, Feb, you know, January, you know, February or March, the courtroom shut, um, March 13, March 13th or 18th. I can't remember. They just shut, they closed, they weren't doing anything. So people sort of batten down the hatches. So people that were going to get divorced had to delay it. Well, people who may have just been mildly unhappy, now they're stuck in their house with their significant other. They got nowhere to go. And as I was saying um, at the before we, we went went on the air, um, I'm actually representing a professional gambler right now. Well, if you're a professional gambler, there are no casinos open. You have nowhere to go. What are you talking Not, about DraftKings? DraftKings. DraftKings. Yeah, um, but he can't go to a casino and play. And now he's stuck in the house with someone he's not 100% happy with, and then it just snowballs. And all of a sudden, it's now litigation. I was very, you know, it was very slow in April and May, and now I can't stay in the office long enough. I, I am, it's, it's pillar to post all the time. And it's because people either put it off or this, the courts are finally getting to their case. And it's, you know, it's a little column A, a little column B. People don't go to court right now. The only court I've been in is a criminal court, and I don't do much of that. 
Um, everyone else is all virtual, all remotely, and you got to get used to the judge and their little foibles on Zoom, as well as their clerk. And you need someone who does it a lot. Thankfully, I do it a lot, so I feel okay with it. So the so the cases are moving forward all virtually, almost exclusively. I've not been in a probate and family court since um, the last the first week of March. I've not been in the physical courtroom because none of my cases have gone to trial. And you can file new cases. Yes, you can file new cases. You can either do it electronically or you can electronically or you can go physically to the courthouse and leave it really what amounts to the front gate. You you're you're, you're allowed in with your paperwork. All it better all be in place. And you leave it in an envelope at the, in a little like one of those little uh, post office boxes in every single probate family court has that. Um, I wouldn't do that. I would go to a lawyer, have them do it. Let's let's take a moment right now and uh, pay some of the bills. Let's do it. Uh, just press that little button and it's supposed to run. Sounds great. <laughs> Is this where I just whisper? Or maybe it did and we didn't see it because that's the way we set it up so we could stay. But we're back on the show. Uh, yep. Right now, 66% of the women are the ones who file for the divorce. Yeah. Um, the statistics, if you've been divorced once, uh, the statistics go up higher the second time and higher the third time. Um, you oh, got to figure out your issues, you know? Yeah, so, you know. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to ask you if you've had any, any people divorce and then remarry the same spouse. And uh, what, what's the... Um, so in well, my, what's the uh, highest number of divorces that one person has had? I, I, like, I, have they come to you for, for their eighth divorce or something like that? Okay, so first of all, I, I have never done somebody's second second divorce. In other words, where I did their first divorce and then I did their second divorce. I have done people's second divorce and third divorces, but I was not always involved. Um, I have never done a divorce where the person remarried the same person. Um, that that seems to be who did um, who was it? Joan Collins? Someone? Someone did it very famously. Oh, it, it happens a lot. Yeah. I think uh, Larry King. Uh, Larry King. Fair. Um, I've never done one of those. I have done people's divorces and then done the, and this is the one I actually take credit for. I've done their divorce and then they come back to me to do their prenuptial agreement for their next marriage. It's like okay, big win there because they knew how tough it was going to be. Um, I feel very happy about those because I'm helping people prevent the next disaster. Uh, I have, I did represent, I, I am representing a woman now who is on her fifth marriage. Uh, but that one has a lot more, there's a lot more layers to that. Uh, she was married uh, in uh, another culture um, where you can be married at a very young age, uh, which I would not recommend. Um, and so there's a lot more going on there, including deaths of husbands and things like that. Um, none of this is funny. None of this is funny, but it it's not funny, just, but it, uh, so what culture and how old was she when she first So she, her first marriage, she was 12. Um, she's from, I can't say the name of the country. Her, her culture is India from India, but she's not from India. There is, there are several countries in the world that have a large diaspora of the Indian population. Um, and we're in that culture. You can get married at 12 years old. I would not recommend it. Um, she was miserable. She was miserable. First marriage was awful. Sounded awful. Um, and it's she's funny. a child. She was a child. It's funny. The one and thing how she old was, how old was uh, her husband when she was uh, not twelve? Mm, uh, age of majority. Let's just put it that way. It's the very least. 
Um, I remember she, when she got divorced from her second husband, it was her first husband that convinced her to do it. He said, you're unhappy, you're miserable. Like when we were married, just get out. It's just interesting. I, I remember that aspect of the case. Um, and she's with and me now. And how old was she after the second divorce? Uh, her second divorce, she was in her 20s. Um, how old was she for the first divorce? Uh, I, um, 13. I think, you know, it was like, it was close. It was like 14. And divorce down in those countries is a little different. It's effectively, uh, the husband doesn't want to be married to you anymore. And that, no, that's he divorced way. her. Well, what happened was she was so miserable, he said, fine, forget it. Just okay. go. Um, at least that's my recollection of it. Um, and, and this is... And yep. What's the oldest divorce? I've uh, done... I did a gentleman... I did a gentleman who got... Who was divorced. He was in his late 70s. And he, he was married to the same woman. He just... he. Um, I did his divorce. He was in the late 70s. And I remember she came back for alimony after he was retired in Massachusetts. has a law in place that says, after you reach the age of retirement, you are not obligated to pay alimony anymore. And that was that was my, the sticking point of the case. My grandparents stayed married, I think it was 68 years. My grandfather died when he was 98. My grandmother was 87, so she was a little bit younger. Um, and somebody asked her, are you gonna be buried next to your husband? And she, she turned to people and said, I've been laying next to this man long enough. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Very fair. And they lived together. You know, they had six kids. Um, anyway. Yeah, that, that you, you do see, every now and then you see some of the later divorces. And um, I do have some older clients, but that's based upon the alimony statute. Once you reach the age of retirement, you are no longer obligated to pay uh, alimony any longer, uh, which is not always the case. Um, Larry King had that going yeah, for him. You could still do it, but you had, the judge has to make very specific findings. Sure. And uh, it's 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 very difficult because the law presumes something. You have to you have to overcome that presumption. Um, I, I but uh, yeah I yes I do do people's second divorces. Um, it always it's a little fascinating. You're absolutely right about those statistics. The more times you, if you're on your first marriage, you don't have nearly as high of a rate of divorce as you have people who are on their second or third marriages. Um, it's like the bar exam. Uh, people who take the bar exam once have a very high rate of passage. People take it more than once, don't, um, for for a lot of reasons. Um, well, in the real estate world, uh, in this state, you only need 40 hours, and you have to take a test and get 70% right. So if you have a license, you're already just a C student. I, and I, you can choose to work with a C student or an A student. That's right. Um, and there are there's a big difference in the outcomes when you work with a professional. I, I think that you, I think the biggest thing that people have to realize is you have to go someone does this all the time yeah. and this is all they do. Um, having a, uh, going to an attorney uh, who does, you know, he'll do your divorce in the morning, in the afternoon, he'll do a slip and fall case. And in the evening, he'll do a bankruptcy case. That That's not the attorney you want to go to. You want someone who does effectively only this. I, I do yeah. do some criminal work, but that's all, every single one of my criminal cases is at least somewhat tied to the, uh, the, the, the divorce case in one form or another. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fascinating uh, uh, to me, and there's so much real estate involved. Yeah, everyone, everyone, every, all, so many people have a house and they don't know what to do with it. They don't know what's gonna happen to it. How often someone calls me and says, well, what's gonna happen to the house? And most of the time it's gonna be sold. Not all the time, but most of the time it's gonna get sold. And well, how do you, how do you wanna do that? You should go to somebody who knows what they're doing. And if it's not going to be sold, 
for whatever reason. And in the rare cases, you have multiple houses and you can you can fairly line up the equities of the of the multiple properties or one party wants to buy out the other property. How are you going to how are you going to accomplish that? You got to go to people who know what they're doing, whether you get an appraisal or multiple appraisals or whether you're going to sell it, and you're going to get a really good real estate agent to be able to do that. Um, you know, people have been told their whole lives their house is the most valuable asset. Now, whether that's true or not, there's some, you know, there can be a little bit of debate about that. But if it is, people should justifiably want to um, protect it. And even when they're going through the toughest part of their life, uh, their divorce, uh, one of the toughest things people can do is get divorced. They have 50,000 things to worry about. They, sh- they, they are absolutely and justifiably concerned about what's going to happen to their home and where they're going to go live after that. Right. Um, Christopher, and- have you ever had anybody uh, say, you know, rather than uh, splitting, maybe it's more than one property, maybe it's commercial property and residential property. They say, you know what, let's go, you know, into an LLC or a, a trust and uh, just split the proceeds and uh, the management of the trust rather than uh, disposing of the assets. So I have heard of those. I have heard of stuff like that happening in various uh, methods. Uh, the big trick, the big problem with that is if the two people are getting divorced, they have virtually no trust and no desire to really continuing to deal with this other person uh, on in really any level. So they're really not willing to do something like that. Especially when you think about marriage is marriage just isn't your know, two friends. You get together and you hang out for a while and maybe you have kids. It, it's you know, partly it's, business. It, 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 it's this incredible relationship where you share everything, including business. Now, you know, there was a comedian who used to tell this joke. I can't remember the comedian, but I remember the joke, which was think of the Venn diagram of your life of people who spent a weekend with your parents and people who've seen you naked. It's a very small number of people. And that person, whoever that person is, has a tremendous amount of knowledge about you. And well, now now you're going to be getting divorced. I don't I, I, I don't just want to like see them less. I don't ever want to see that person again. I could definitely understand that. Now, forget the fact that they might have kids together. So now you're going to sit down and you're going to say, let's map out an LLC strategy or a trust where you're both going to know that most people aren't interested. There are some that are. There are some that have that. And there is such a thing as a constructive trust, which has to do with if people try to dissipate assets during the marriage. And now you got to pretend like they're still in the marriage somehow, but most of the time people don't want to do stuff like that. And, and so, for good reason. So, so Larry, did your grandmother end up buried next to her? Next, she next? did not. She did Re- not. Oh, really? Wow. She did not. She got her license to drive when she was 86 because he wouldn't take her to shoe shopping or something. She was quite a person. Okay. So is she still alive or is she? No, passed? no, she's, she's, uh, passed. Did she remarry? No. Did she? No. I mean, so where where is she buried? Uh, she went to her family's um, oh, plot. Okay. okay. You know, rather than his plot, but he didn't even go to his plot. Um, it's complicated. Uh, he was Jewish. She was Jewish. Uh, he came to this country and made her become Catholic and raised her six children anti-Semitic which was and not an unusual thing back then. Yeah. So his cr- kids grew up not understanding they were Jewish till they were in their 30s. By the way, that trying to use the, the age range that you're talking about, that, that is not 
it, it's certainly not common, but it's not rare either, that people don't find out until the, the stand-up comedian, um, stand-up comedian uh, Bill Maher. Dave, Dave Chappelle, it reminds Dave, me. Not, not Dave, but, but Bill, Bill Maher didn't find out he was Jewish until he was an adult. He, I, he, I think it, it was probably his father, not his mother. Uh, his father, that's exactly right. His father so, so was he's, Jewish. He's not, 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 yeah, I, well, I understand. I understand. Jewish. Yeah. So he would, he'd always be like, I never understood why dad stayed home when we'd go to church. <laughs> but that's, and he would, he, he said that because that is something that does happen. That, that right. does well, happen. Well, that, they I'm had sure decided. a lot of dads stay home. There's that too. But, that, but I remember when but, he grew up, he grew up in the 50s and 60s. So, yeah, more church involvement. My grandparents um, decided that it had to be my grandmother who became Catholic because the children are usually raised by whatever mm-hmm. religion the mother is. And, and, and yeah, that, that's not as big of an issue in this day and age as it was in the past. Religion is not as pro- pro- prominent in what are the issues that come up, at least not in uh, uh, sort of um, Americanized marriages. It does come up when people who are divorced um, from other cultures, um, and the, the religion the religion thing does come up every now and then. I will get someone who says to me, "I don't know what I'm going to tell my parents about us getting divorced because they're against divorce because of religious reasons." So, so Christopher, someone comes to you and says, um, "I'm I'm getting married. I need a prenup. Mm-hmm. How do I uh, approach my fiance?" because it's never come up before, but I definitely want one. Yep. And that's one question. And the second question is, uh, someone is in a marriage and they come to you for a divorce and are asking you for advice on how to break it to their spouse. Okay, two totally different conversations. And, 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 what, they, and what they need to do before they yep. break it to them. So the, the prenup, it, it, you basically have to, just, you have to describe the human condition of being unable to tell what happens in the future. Nobody. Nobody, nobody, nobody ever got married thinking they were going to get divorced. Okay. You're just like everybody else. You're just fallible. Anything can happen. You have to approach this person and say, look, you have things that you've worked hard for in your life. I've had things that I've worked hard for in my life and you don't want me to take them. And I don't want you to take them. Prenuptial agreements best are, by the way, best for people on their second marriages. Why? Because they have adult, they usually have older children and they want their assets to go to their children, not necessarily to, and prenups protect that. That is the way I would approach that issue. Very, very direct, but about how it protects both parties. For the divorce, you have to make the big decision at the start. Do I even want to tell the other side? Is, is you know, unhappily as it might be, is there any risk that this, this will this will turn violent? Any risk at all? Don't tell them, just file. You should have more of a plan about how to get out of the house than you to, to leave the house than you should to, to break them. But to talk to your spouse, most people who, who go to divorce, they have at least broached the subject in one form or another with their spouse, even if it's angrily. And so you say, if you are going to tell them if there is no threat of violence, you, you say to them, I want you to know that I met with a lawyer on this day and we're filing and I'm not changing my mind and um, you should be prepared. Um, what does that mean? What do you mean? What do you, well, it means you have to be prepared because uh, I have my ducks all in a row, which is why, and I, I don't mean this may be a sales pitch on me, you should get a lawyer first. Get a lawyer from the start so you feel as if you're prepared for when those discussions happen. You don't have to be nearly as nice to tell your spouse you're getting divorced as you are that you need a prenup. If you do want to be nice for whatever reason, sell them as soon as possible. If it is a, an issue, look, we just grew apart. 
talk, talk to them even before you file, but I would recommend most people file first and then break the news. How about uh, postnups? How many of those? Have there you done? are. I ha I have done them. So postnuptial agreements were not legal in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts before I believe 2012, 2010, somewhere in there. Um, the Pierce case basically said that Judge Pierce um, got wanted to get divorced. He got divorced, and the court said we don't really care. And then he tried to do a, a postnuptial agreement, and the courts basically said we don't we don't know if we recognize them or not. And what the court said is, look, enough states do it. You can you can have a postnuptial agreement. You can decide after you're married to make to make a, an agreement after you're married. But be warned, postnuptial agreements are given a heck of a lot more scrutiny by the court than prenuptial agreements. Why? Because you can get out of a prenuptial agreement by simply not getting married. Postnup, you are married. Your only way to get out of getting married is to get divorced. So courts scrutinize the heck out of postnuptial agreements. I would strongly advise people. Um, to talk to a lawyer way ahead of time getting a postnup because of the level of scrutiny courts use. Yes, they are they're, they are recognized by the Commonwealth. They are not exactly frowned upon, but certainly not with warm smiles. You have to meet a lot of barriers to make sure that it, it stands up in court in front of a very, very scrutinizing judge. So when working um, with the properties, that how, how many of the, your divorces include property? Is there I, a percentage? Yeah, I would say it's 75, 80% involve a house. Very rarely do, not really, but the, the minority is people who have an apartment or never bought a house or things like that. Most people, when they get married, either have property or, or are thinking about getting it, and they do. Um, not, and, um, you know, not always though. But anyway, that just answer that brief question. I, I witnessed a divorce in small claims court. Literally two people fighting over yes people uh fighting over a timeshare oh hold on a second the winner the winner would be the one that didn't get it. exactly that's not even a joke that's not even being funny there are businesses dedicated to getting rid of your timeshare that's how tough it is to get out of a timeshare don't get a timeshare sorry i don't want to get you up in case you have a sponsor Tom, there's only uh we're here at the end of the show, and there's only one appropriate song uh, for this. Do you want to take us out, Jim? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, Broker Talk is a weekly podcast hosted by real estate industry professionals and always telling it, ew, and always dedicated to telling it like it is. We're teachers of the business and students of the industry. Our guest today was Christopher Garboni. And uh, did I pronounce your name right? Yeah, Garboni, yep. Garboni, uh, Garboni Law Firm. And um, thanks to my co-host, Larry Lawfer. And that's it for this Great week. to have you here, Chris. And thanks I'm real sorry about you. our technical issues, but I, hey, it's another show. Well, once you get rolling, you don't you don't even pay attention to it. Once you get rolling, you're good. Yeah, unless Thank you're you responsible so for it. No. Thank you so much. 